Welcome to the Filmographers Podcast, the podcast where every month we pick one actor and we watch everything they've done and then talk about it. I'm Lenny. I'm an editor at hardwoodandhollywood.com. You can go there and read my TV reviews. I am Katie, and I'm a writer and actor, and, uh, and a Stephen King expert. And a Stephen King expert. That's not relevant to this podcast. Not I at all. That wasn't <laughs> <laughs> She'll work it in. Yeah, definitely. So this month, we are talking about Octavia Spencer, and is this a good time to tell everyone yes. that if they want to be part of the democratic process, they should follow <laughs> at Lenny Burnham or at Katie Wright on Twitter, and then you can help decide who we talk about each month. Yep. We both nominate, we each nominate two actors, and so far, I have a 100% winning streak. <sighs> I have dictated our first four, right? We, yeah. All the 2017 episodes. All Yes. Follow us on Twitter so that you can vote for me. Be on the winning team. Do you want to uh, get cracking? I'm going to tell give people a little more exposition about this podcast. Okay. Uh, first off, Octavia Spencer is in so much stuff where she's in one scene or less. Yeah. Our, we've not previously had an actor who had that kind yeah. of career. She's in so much stuff where you're like, oh, I guess I could sort of see her in the background. Yeah. Um. So as a result, we are splitting this uh, podcast into two parts. Part one is stuff that is that genuinely has at least a couple scenes of Octavia Spencer. And then part two, none of that stuff is worth watching for Octavia Spencer, but we'll just talk about it as a work. We grade everything on a very simple system of either worth it or not worth it. And we also will both be giving one thing a gold star, meaning it's the best thing Octavia Spencer has ever done. And a black ball, meaning please do not watch this thing. Now should we get cracking? Let's get cracking. All right. All right. So first off, we have an ER episode called Hazed and Confused. Octavia Spencer has played a nurse in thousands of things. <laughs> But shaking the world up on ER, she played a patient. Yeah. Octavia Spencer plays a woman who goes to the emergency room and fakes a stomach injury just so she can find out the gender of her baby and then get it aborted because it's a girl. It's bananas. <laughs> the rest of this episode is extremely boring. Yeah. And I'm giving it a not worth it. Yeah, I have very little to add. I also find this to be not worth it. I think this is the first episode of VR I've ever watched. And the last. Yeah, same. But I am glad that I, that I got to watch the episode with the crazy abortion lady. Next up is Never Been Kissed, a movie I watched hundreds of times as a child and should probably not have rewatched as an adult because <laughs> uh, it's got some problems. Yeah. I'm going to start off positive and say that I do see many reasons why I was charmed by this film. I think, like, on a shallow level, a really well-executed movie. Like, the acting is good. I think the soundtrack is really, really good. The costuming is really good. And it's got, like, a very tightly written script that moves along really well. But, friends, when you get to the core of it, it just thematically falls completely flat 
This character learns absolutely nothing. The movie is called Never Been Kissed. And in the beginning, it sets up, you know, this naive girl who thinks that the way the world works is eventually you'll have your magical kiss with someone and they'll be your soulmate and you'll be with them forever. So you think logically, oh, this is going to be about her learning some things. But then it just ends on her having a magical kiss with a man who presumably (laughs) goes on to be her soulmate and be happy with her forever. And like... I guess I'll say the basic plot of this movie for anyone who doesn't know. It's about a young journalist who gets her first big assignment and it's to go back to high school and write an expose. And she was a nerd in high school, but when she goes back, she manages to get in with the popular crowd. And at the end, like after she has the experience of actually getting a chance to get to know the popular boy in school, like that experience doesn't affect her the way you would expect. Like, At the end, when you hear her big article about all the truths she's learned about high school, she's like, there's that cute boy who completely changes you. You wouldn't be the same without him. And it's like, shouldn't she have learned that like she just picked the best looking guy in school and projected a lot of weird stuff on him? And actually, like, that guy is just a separate human who like only affected her because she built him up so much. No, she completely stands by all of her childish beliefs. It was very disappointing. I still think it's fun, but uh, they uh, should have had some sort of substantial message in it. So I'm giving it a not worth it. Okay. <laughs> I also, I I share all of your concerns about this film. I also have the additional gripe that it is called Never Been Kissed. And then in the very beginning, somebody's like, wait, have you never been kissed? And she's like, oh, yeah, I mean, I've kissed just you know i haven't had a special kiss but the fucking title is never been kissed yeah it's really weird i feel like what it promises to be is sort of like a pg-13 version of the 40 year old version yeah totally like a good movie yeah and like what the 40 year old virgin does is like show how relationships can be like more awkward and disappointing than you expect but like are still ultimately rewarding mm-hmm. and this film truly does not do that yeah And then the other thing that is, like, deeply troubling about revisiting this movie as an adult is her relationship with her teacher, who falls in love with her while he thinks that she's, like, 16 years old, and then... Well, uh, she's a senior, right? So I think she's, like, 17 17 or 18. 17 or 18. Okay. Still still bad. I'm not defending (laughs) her. I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, Well, I forgot she was a senior. Okay. Well, he thinks that she's a high school senior. And then... At the end, when he discovers that she lied and she was not a high school senior this whole time, his overwhelming (laughs) feeling is of anger at being lied at and not relief. it's uh it's really creepy it's when you watch it as a kid or a teenager uh, it doesn't seem that creepy but when you're closer to the teacher's age than to the student it's like oh this guy's a a criminal yeah and like i find like extra annoying about that relationship is like they could have had him be like a new teacher who sort of shares her like naive view of the world Mm. um but i feel like the relationship like even if he hadn't thought that she was 17 or 18 is already not great because she's so childlike and he's like 
in a serious relationship with a woman who wants to make him to make a commitment and he's kind of like scared of that and is like I'm gonna flee from her and get to this girl who thinks that the first person you kiss will be your soulmate forever (laughs) and it's like uh, I don't I don't like this guy's intentions yeah I forgot that he had that girlfriend going on yeah Yeah, so this movie has so many problems yeah also I really (laughs) hate um the trope of someone who's supposed to be a great writer and then at the end you finally hear their stuff and it's just like the most self-indulgent thing imaginable yeah Yeah. although i don't know is she supposed to be a great writer because she wasn't a report she was like copy editor and then she just got thrown in yeah but you're supposed to like root for her becoming a journalist like i feel like the setup is like why won't her editor give her a chance and then when you hear her column it's like he was right to not give her a chance (laughs) yeah fair enough and that editor is John C. Riley. Yes. Who is great in this movie. Yeah. The adult minor cast is good. John C. Riley and Molly Shannon and Octavia Spencer. And also, who has very, <laughs> very little to do, but is still great. The uh, high school cast also has a lot of people who become big names later. It has James Franco and uh, Jessica Alba in yeah. like really small roles. I forgot it's, James Franco yeah, was it's in really, this. It's weird because um, the main love interest michael vartan from alias and nothing else (laughs) and then the guy who plays the hunky popular boy whose name i don't even know are like such nobodies and that but then like james franco has a really small role yeah it is weird yeah i'll also give this movie a not worth it i probably have not seen it for the last time (laughs) i will say but i think if i didn't have the nostalgia uh making me like it i would think it was a completely not worthwhile pile of trash terribly sorry so uh not worth it next up is a malcolm in the middle episode called high school play and malcolm in the middle is my all-time favorite tv show and i think that this episode is definitely an example of just like how much malcolm in the middle crams in like how many stories and different types of humor and um it's just a really good show and uh you should watch this episode or any episode (laughs) Yeah, it's a really good show, and this episode is great. I like Lois's storyline the best. I feel like I always like Lois's storyline the best. She's the greatest character. Yeah, and even though like I was not optimistic about an episode where Octavia Spencer plays a character called Cashier, but like she actually has like funny lines and yeah, is like a good character. Yeah. And I think that just shows like Malcolm in the Middle's POV is that like it is the kind of show where. Uh, cashier would be very humanized and yeah. bond with the characters. Yeah, it's definitely worth it. This is a wonderful show. Okay, next up is Ugly Betty. So Octavia Spencer is in like four episodes of this and she plays an INS agent, right? Yeah, yeah she, she plays is an INS agent who wants to bone <laughs> Betty's dad, right. which in the real world would be pretty troubling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it's it's just some fun <laughs> stuff here. My memory of Ugly Betty was pretty positive, but I felt like revisiting it, it was a lot worse than I remembered. The characters don't really feel like they act like people would act, but they also don't feel like necessarily the way... uh, It doesn't feel like that's intentional. Like, they're stylistically weird. It just seems like this is a show that doesn't quite track, and it's not quite funny, and it's not quite dramatic, and... I'm not exactly sure what the show is or why I once liked it. So I'm going to give it a not worth it. Yeah, I don't have any past fondness with Ugly Betty. I've seen some of it and think it is solidly okay. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it a not worth it. There's not really any compelling reason to watch Ugly Betty. There's other shows yeah. you can watch first. <laughs> Next up is a little show called Wizards of Waverly Place. Uh, <laughs> a special called Wizard School. And Wizards of Waverly Place is a show that for some reason sent me down a real weird rabbit hole where I watched like every episode of it because <laughs> like it's really bad and it's just one of those shows that is bad in ways that are baffling to yeah. me. <laughs> like it, it's like beyond lazy where you're like this didn't have to be that bad they made choices to do this but unless you're me and you want to make a weird murder bird of reasons Wizards of Waverly Place is bad there's no reason you should watch this show please just avoid it but it is very cute that Octavia Spencer plays an evil character I think her name is like Professor Evelini I think yeah, I feel like she's Dr. Evelini. <laughs> and that's very cute. Mm -hmm. But God, it's such a trash show. It's such garbage. It's truly garbage on a level that is mind-blowing. And uh, I feel like it, it's so weird to watch Octavia Spencer in something that's this trash because she's like such an amazing performer and she's just in like a no-win situation <laughs> with just like a terrible script and I feel like in most of the terrible things I've seen Octavia Spencer and I've been like she's still great but on this show I was genuinely like this is weird to watch like this is I feel like this is like the one role I feel like she didn't pull off because it just could not be pulled off it's just a weird everything about it is weird and bad and <laughs> it's not worth it next up is a little film called pretty ugly people who who directed this? It was the somebody who did, did something else. Right? Oh, the guy who did the help. And we, yeah, we Very watched weird. this before the help, and it really made me be like, "Ooh, I'm not looking forward <laughs> to the help now." Yeah, this movie sucks. Sorry, I I guess I gave my my judgment of it up top instead of at the end, as is traditional. This movie sucks. It's about a girl who was the one fat and unattractive person in her friend group of attractive people in college and missy pile was the only fat lady and now they're adults and missy pile tells all her friends who she hasn't seen in years i'm dying so you need to come to montana the best part about this movie is that it's set in montana set where in lenny and i are from oh that's right it's specifically yeah missoula. we've got to recognize the airport yeah they actually went to the missoula airport and orange street food farm mm-hmm uh, but then they acted like Orange Street Food Farm was in Florida. Oh, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> it was really weird. Uh, so she tells her friends that she's dying and they need to come to Montana to say goodbye to her. And then when they get to Montana, she is Missy Pyle looking like Missy Pyle. She's lost like 150 pounds or something. And she's like, oh, I wasn't actually dying. I just wanted you all to come here because I've almost reached my goal weight. And I want you to be here when I lose the last pound. Very weird. Very strange thing for a person to do. And it just uh, continues that way with characters acting very strange and being very unlikable. And it's uh, it's like a dramedy kind of. It sometimes is trying to be funny and it's sometimes trying to be deadly serious. And it mostly fails at everything. But Octavia Spencer, I thought I really liked her character and I thought that she was pretty fun and pretty funny in it. 
and Melissa McCarthy is in this doing a good job with a not great role. And Grayson from Cougar Town is gay. Mm. So there are some things to recommend this film. But overall, it's absolute trash. I deeply hate it. And it is absolutely not worth it. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. Everyone in this movie acts so weird. There's like, oh my god, I just remembered Allison Janney trying to bone a senator on oh, an airplane yeah. too. Weird. Sorry, go ahead. Um, this movie has like a lot of people doing very bad things and a lot of people getting angry and I feel like none of it lines up. Yeah, I'm always yes. like, you should be at that mad at the person for this, but instead you're mad at them for this. Yeah, totally. It's really weird. It's really bizarre. Um, and yeah, it like has a fairly good idea of being like, what would it be like for a group of friends to reunite? And now the fat one is hot and the hot one is fat. But mm-hmm. they really just like don't track that emotionally at all. It just is one of those movies that completely just does a bunch of random shit and totally forgets what was interesting about the log line um and just kind of waste your time for two hours but you do get to see grayson from cougar town kiss a guy in a hot springs <laughs> he has a fair amount of screen time and a happy ending so maybe some people will want to watch it for that but it sucks it truly does. And also it made me especially nervous to watch The Help because like the dialogue for the black characters is like so bad. Like mm. every single thing they say is just like a thesis about black culture in America and just like not people having a conversation. <laughs> Fair enough. Next up is a little film called Herpes Boy, uh, which is an independent movie where I feel like Octavia Spencer was clearly the only professional actor and it's like real it's trying really hard to be like napoleon dynamite which is a tough thing to pull off and i honestly don't even like good napoleon dynamite <laughs> it's trash it's just like every cutesy indie movie you remember from 2005 but terrible yeah you've said it there's not a lot to unpack here it's really really bad and really unfunny and really uh, trying to recreate something that i think was already not cool by the time this movie was being made it's real bad and i almost gave it the black ball but not quite but it's definitely not worth it i also almost gave this the black ball please do not watch it do not watch it i just i hate having the words herpes boy in my brain they it hurts me Um, okay, next is Raising the Bar, which is a, sh- a drama about some lawyers and also a judge who is Jane Kesmerick. And it's a real, it's a real unobjectionable show, in my opinion. It kind of has the feeling of like an Ally McBeal, if you took away everything about Ally McBeal that's like distinctive. And it's reasonably enjoyable. We watched... I can't remember. I think we might have watched two episodes of this. Yeah. And I think Octavia Spencer was in like five and we watched two of them. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. She she had a very minor role as like a bailiff. It's not a, it's not a strong Octavia Spencer vehicle at all. But just as a like light courtroom drama, it had a certain something that I was like, I would definitely watch like 15 episodes of this on a sick day or something. So I'm giving it like a mild worth it. Yeah, I didn't mind raising the bar. I'm going to give it a mild not worth it. There's shows that are better at being what this is trying to be. Suits is great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, yeah, it's unobjectionable is a great word. For this. <laughs> the tagline for this show should have been I don't object. <laughs> oh, man. Lenny works in advertising professionally and it shows. <laughs> oh, I just was so proud of myself. I knocked her fan over. Hubris, they name is Lenny. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is a little thing called Small Town Saturday Night. And speaking of hubris, mm-hmm. everyone who thinks they can make a slice of life film <laughs> has too much hubris. I hate every movie that is like, nothing happens, but I'm sure it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. This movie sucks. It just shows a day in the life of Chris Pine. Yeah, that's right. Chris Pine as an aspiring country singer. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's just boring. It's just a bunch of, like, white people in the South having relationship problems. I think I said while we were watching it that every single scene in it felt like it was something that was cut from a first draft of Friday Night Lights. That's a good description. (laughs) It's, uh, there's no reason to watch it. It's, It's so boring. Yeah, the only, like, mildly interesting plot line was the kid who seemed like he was gay and then it was just like oh everybody thinks he's gay and that's his whole deal right yeah what (laughs) next up is a little film called flypaper i looked it up and flypaper had an unbelievably low box office anyway it doesn't feel like a real movie and it's weird that it showed in any theaters for any amount of time it's a kind of like semi-comedic heist movie it's like a a group of bank robbers are holding a bank hostage and then a second unrelated group of bank robbers come in and also try to hold the bank hostage and it's got a lot of like shifting alliances or like oh you didn't know that this person was affiliated with this person you didn't know this person was a bad guy etc and it's a sort of a concept that i think could be fun and enjoyable in a different person's hands but this it was executed really poorly and it had a lot of just weird characters who don't track and the whole movie as a whole didn't really hang together well and uh there's no reason to watch it also it was directed by the director of the lion king which is very strange i agree with everything you said i'm giving it a not worth it it truly it just had twist after twist and i did not care about any of them (laughs) (laughs) and it stars the guy who starred in constantine so yeah that's right (laughs) next up is the help which I had some reservations about going in, partially because it was directed by the Pretty Ugly People guy. <laughs> that did not bode well. And then partially because it uh, it seemed uh-huh. rife for white saviorism. And I was, uh, I was surprised that I actually really enjoyed this movie. I did not think it was too egregiously about a white savior, although it definitely had a little bit of that going on. The performance by Viola Davis was really, really amazing. And the performance by Octavia Spencer was really, really amazing. They are probably the biggest reasons to watch this movie. Obviously. I mean, obviously. That's, they're who people think of when you think of the help. It was good. I I liked it. I'm still surprised that I genuinely enjoyed this movie and had relatively few qualms with it. So I definitely give it a worth it. Yeah, I totally agree. I definitely 
went in with reservations and I thought it was like maybe it's, it definitely helps that my expectations were just so low for how white savory I thought it would be <laughs> right. but like like Viola Davis is like really driving the story and there's a lot of scenes that are like just her and Octavia Spencer and especially in comparison to other movies like A Time to Kill which we'll talk about later it like really has a lot of uh black women who are clearly three-dimensional characters and it also just has like a lot of female characters in general and a lot of different female relationships like it's kind of it's one of those movies where like breath of fresh air is a cliche but it's like true you're like watching it and you're like man most movies do not have women talking to each other this much yeah that's true um and yeah in addition to like obviously viola davis and octavia spencer are amazing and also um jessica chastain it was really good and like I don't know why but I'd always thought of Jessica Chastain as like only playing like really like hard no-nonsense women so she like really surprised me in this and um her friendship with Octavia Spencer is like really really fun yeah it's just a very fun movie Bryce Dallas Howard eats poop she sure does <laughs> boy that I really I knew that there was a poop pie, yeah. but I didn't realize just how much it was going to drive the third act. Yeah, it's like, really it's a weird. major plot point um, <laughs> for a movie where a major part of it is Bristol's Howard eating shit. It's a good film. Yeah. And I recommend it. <laughs> uh, next up is a movie called Smashed which is about Mary Elizabeth Winstead as a woman coming to terms with the fact that she might be an alcoholic. And as I said earlier, I hate slice of life films where not a lot happens. And this definitely fits in the mumblecore genre. But I thought it really uh, worked. And um, I found that on this podcast, usually if we have straight up never heard of a movie, it's with good cause. <laughs> but this is in the the trigger effect club where it's the rare movie that we've never heard of. And then I'm like, yeah, that's good. It portrays like being on the fence of not being sure if you're an alcoholic, which I think is like something that's very relevant to real life that doesn't get talked about a lot. Like usually movies are very black and white about it. And um, it has a great scene where she's in like her first AA meeting and she's like, I drink all the time, but everyone I know drinks all the time, which I thought was really um, resonant and great. And it's got uh, really good performances from Mary Elizabeth Winstead and uh, Nick Offerman. So, yeah, I give it a solid worth it. Yeah, I also really liked this movie. And I I really felt like a light on plot drama about alcoholism, even if well executed, would not be something that I enjoyed. But the it, I guess it just had like really strong characters. So even though it was not the type of movie I would seek out, it still like really kept me interested and yeah, the performances are really good. The one thing about this movie that felt weird to me was like how at, at a certain point in the movie, the main character buys into AA like so hard that it feels like this is sponsored content like for AA. And I and I just felt like, I don't know, there was a weird, <laughs> a weird like it's not weird for a character to be super, super into AA, but it felt like the movie was telling me like this is objectively a, an amazing and perfect organization and she is objectively so much better off i'm not saying yeah, that alcohol I, shouldn't go to aa but AA yeah, as an organization is weird 
I hadn't really <laughs> thought about that, but now that you mention it, it could easily be a propaganda film if you <laughs> dug into it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, I liked it and it was well executed, but yeah, that, that aspect sort of creeped me out a little. Um, uh, but I still say it's worth it. Next up is, uh, I've lost my spot. Oh, Blues for Willa Dean. So this is another movie that we had straight up never heard of. I certainly hadn't. Lenny, you hadn't no. heard of it, had you? <laughs> um, and I, this is another one that I was actually surprised at how much I liked it. While we were watching it, we were like, this really feels like a play because it's basically one location. Most of it just takes place in one lady's trailer. And it's a lot of monologues, long, 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 long monologues. And then we looked it up and it is indeed adapted from a play. And there's musical numbers. Oh, yeah, there's <laughs> there's musical numbers. Yeah. But I really liked this movie. It's about domestic abuse. And I feel like it is easy for for stories about domestic abuse to not get it right to just feel wrong feel like they're misrepresenting it or they're being exploitative or something and this didn't have like any kind of fresh take or anything but somehow I just felt like yeah this this pulled up this pulled it off this pulled off a thing that is hard to do it's the vast majority of it is just three female characters and they're all great I don't know two of their names. And then one of them is Octavia Spencer. <laughs> I know Dale Dickey is one. Dale Dickey. I don't remember the name of the lead. Yeah. But I believe she's the woman who says, I think you're not on board with Sparkle Motion in uh, Donnie Darko, right? Oh, my God. I think she is. I liked this a lot. Uh, I'd definitely give it a worth it. Um, I'm actually giving it a gentle not worth it. I definitely thought it had a certain charm and... Yeah, the the characters are definitely very endearing, but um, to me it was like a little too tropey. Like, especially mm. the abuse scenes were like so much like the old school vision of an abusive husband, which I'm sure yeah. like look, men in real life are not very interesting. <laughs> so I buy that this is realistic and that's why it gets repeated so much. But it all felt like a little too cliche and was also, it's written and directed by the guy who wrote the play. And it's like, dude, just collaborate with a filmmaker. Come on. <laughs> yeah. It had a certain charm and, you know, had a lot of scenes that are just uh, women talking to each other. But uh, I have to be like, mm, not a not a great film. I just want to throw in that that lead actress's name is Beth Grant, and she's really amazing. She is great. She was also the mom in Herpes Boy, a terrible, terrible film. Next up is Fruitvale Station, which we have also talked about in our previous episode about Michael B. Jordan. It, uh, uh, my energy would be best spent just talking about Octavia specifically in this movie. She plays uh, the mother of the main character whose name I don't remember right now and she's really she's really great um she's very heartbreaking that's pretty much her entire role is is being heartbreaking and yeah she's a really strong performance but she's she's not in that much of the movie so as an Octavia Spencer vehicle this isn't like the strongest movie but she is great that's not a very interesting take, 
but that's what I got to say. Lenny, what's up? Um, yeah, for anyone who didn't listen to the Michael B. Jordan episode, uh, our consensus on Fruitvale Station was that it is great and everyone should watch it. I gave it my gold star. She did. And even though, like, screen time-wise, her part is not very large, I think that her scene in the hospital is actually, like, my favorite Octavia Spencer scene that we watched. I think it really is sort of that hospital sequence is really the what drives the movie home emotionally i think Mm. and uh i hope that octavia spencer really bonded with her scene partner who played unnamed nurse and told her how you can start off being unnamed nurse and eventually become octavia spencer (laughs) next up is a short film called call me crazy which was part of a thing lifetime did where they made five short films about mental health and this one stars Brittany Snow as a woman with schizophrenia. And I truly dislike this film. I feel like it is, it falls into a category with so many films where they're not really interested in portraying mental illness. They're only interested in portraying attractive people falling in love. Uh, I don't think it has anything interesting to say about schizophrenia and I give it a not worth it. Yeah, I also deeply disliked this, and that's a good point. The other thing I don't like about this movie is I I feel like sometimes movies that are trying to deal with a serious issue are just come off feeling like not a story and not about character. Like, they feel more like a school report on an issue that has no like narrative soul and this felt this felt like that it felt like hey class you can either make a short film about the disease you're studying or you can do a powerpoint and this kid decided to do a short film yeah it's it was not not great uh jason ritter is in this as the love interest and i thought that his performance was really good Mm. he he was really charming look we all think jason Mm. ritter should be the love interest in everything (laughs) (laughs) um but other than that it really didn't have anything to recommend it also fun fact this was directed by bryce dallas howard oh that's right i guess it's not the worst portrayal of schizophrenia by someone in her immediate family (laughs) that's That's the nicest thing i can say about it yeah her children's children are going to really knock it out of the park because it's getting better with each generation. <laughs> oh, next up is another movie that I had straight up never heard of called Paradise. This is written and directed by Diablo Cody. It was Diablo Cody's directorial debut. And it is about a conservative girl in Montana. Hell yeah! Uh, <laughs> a conservative Christian who is played by Juliana Huff. That's her name, right? Yep who is in a plane crash and was badly disfigured in a way where she is still very pretty. (laughs) But she has like weird, uh, uh, like injured skin on her arms and back and stuff. Um, And she loses her faith because of that. And she takes the money she got from the settlement and she goes to Las Vegas and decides to live a life of sin. And so then most of this movie is just her being a, a little fish out of water and hanging out with, Octavia Spencer and Russell Brand, who are two wait waiters slash bartenders in like the first bar she wanders into when she gets there. And I actually enjoyed this movie quite a bit more than I thought I would. Um, I thought that the characters were really charming and I thought that Russell Brand was very hot 
as he always is. I don't like him very much, but I am very attracted to him. It's my cross to bear. Yeah, I thought this movie had like really great characters and it was sometimes pretty funny. Sometimes it made me cringe a little bit. But overall, I thought it was worth it. And I'm definitely giving it a worth it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm giving it a not worth it. Uh, I agree to an extent. I like the Russell Brand and the Octavia Spencer character. And I thought the parts that were sort of like just them hanging out had a much better, more natural feel than the rest of this film. But the whole... Christian girl goes to Las Vegas thing is like it's a tough sell you gotta really hit it out of the park for that to feel at all fresh and they definitely did not um and yeah I like I didn't hate watching it but there's just stuff they it could have like they made the least interesting choice at every possible turn I guess is what I'll say and what stuff like um how, you know, Russell Brand decides he's going to be a good person and not take advantage of this girl. I just sort of felt like she seems horny and attracted to Russell Brand. Like, why can't they just bone? You That's know? a very good point. Um, But I did. I liked the Octavia Spencer character a lot. She was like a film nerd. So that's fun. Oh, and then also a thing that bugged me was like she has this whole thing with never she hasn't visited her family in years and then a girl who doesn't know anything about her situation is like you actually should and like i feel like movies are always doing yeah that's true so yeah it gets uh not worth it for me but it's not the worst thing next up is black or white which is a one of two child custody dramas that we had to watch for this episode and it it, (laughs) it's called black or white because the child in question is a biracial girl with a black father and a white mother her mother is dead and she's been living with her white grandpa who is kevin costner and then her black grandma octavia spencer is trying to get custody of her and this is just a movie that the world did not need it is not interesting or fresh in any way and it also has some unfortunate kind of like racial viewpoints it's not It feels like a movie that very much does not realize that it is being problematic. Um, But the, like, your kind of point of view character is Kevin Costner, who's this insanely rich white guy. And then he's the, the most antagonistic character is this is the dad who is a black man who's like a total deadbeat and like a drug addict. And it just feels like so stereotypical and so unnecessary yeah i so i fully hated this movie uh and uh it's definitely not worth it yeah i agree with everything you said uh it's definitely not worth it and like i remember seeing like uh interviews and stuff promoting this movie and they're just like so convinced of how progressive it is like they're just really like it was so hard to make this movie no one wants to have a real conversation about race (laughs) 
and it just sucks like he's so like on the one hand i get that like a lot of the time you know in real life like your dad is old and racist but then he's also your dad and like i yeah i get that but uh it doesn't need to be portrayed in this way yeah like they're all the fucking courtroom divorce court scenes where it's like oh no is this wealthy white man gonna be able to get this little girl or is she gonna go to these poor working class black people the the deck is stacked against him it's like this is you are not telling this story right and also he uses the n-word at her father at one point but we're still supposed to sympathize with him. Yeah, we're supposed to be like, who really among weird. us hasn't accidentally yeah. used the N-word? It's okay to use the N-word if you're talking to a heroin addict. Uh, trash. Yeah. Uh, speaking of trash, <laughs> next is a short-lived re- show called Red Band Society, which was from that dark time right after like glee and modern family were hits when like everything was trying to be diverse but their roadmaps for how to do that were glee and modern family (laughs) um and it follows a bunch of chronically ill children in this hospital which i think is a pretty good idea for a show just like a teen drama but in a hospital but i feel like it's one of those shows that is afraid of its own concept like no one truly looks sick it never like holds anyone back from anything like they're mostly just like attractive teens who banter and it's like pretty afraid to show sickness in any sort of substantial way and it's also laughably cheesy because the whole thing is narrated by a boy in a coma (laughs) and there's this weird thing where two different characters while they're unconscious talk to the coma boy like provably because he tells them stuff that they wouldn't know and just like no one is like what are the ramifications of this for this realm and beyond like (laughs) no one cares about the intensity of that situation um and octavia spent this was like off the heels of her winning the oscar and like it was heavily promoted as octavia spencer's show and her character literally doesn't have storylines like she just supports the other characters it's fucked up yeah that is fucked up i honestly like this show has so many problems but i truly enjoyed it and i might go back and i might watch all of it i it ju- it totally does have like a glee feel like there's something very ryan murphy about it especially because of the like bitchy cheerleader character yeah. that's like a total i mean not that ryan murphy invented bitchy cheerleaders but there's like a very specific <laughs> take on the bitchy cheerleaders that uh feels familiar but there's something about i don't know the the situation of like these these teens are all stuck in this hospital together and the it's truly so much easier to build a case for it being a bad show than a good one and all i can say is that when i look into my heart i see a certain love of this show and i think that it is worth giving a watch despite all its many flaws (laughs) literally the only person in the world who feels that way so i'm not gonna argue (laughs) with you because it seems unfair (laughs) Uh, you know what i think that history is gonna prove me right and i think that i think that the red band society is gonna come back and i think it's gonna get several new seasons and a movie so i'm giving it a very mild worth it (laughs) for the record 
Uh, next up is Insurgent, which is one of those young adult dystopia things. It is their their special take on the young adult dystopia is that everybody gets divided into a different like colony. Uh, I'm sure that's not the word they used. I wasn't paying close enough attention to pick up on their lingo, but they get divided into different societies uh, based on like the dominant trait of their personality. And then the one, the main girl who is special, I guess is special because she has multiple dominant personality traits. uh, So she can't, she can't be categorized. And it's like a much less interesting Hunger Games and Hunger Games was not that interesting. I guess I'm not going to work that hard to elaborate on why it's boring. It just is. And I don't think it is worth it in any way. Yeah, I truly hate this film. And uh, like, I'm mad at it for making me hate it so much because I'm like not one of those people with a grudge against everything aimed at teen girls but like everything bad people say about stuff aimed at teen girls is represented (laughs) in this movie yeah it's every cliche it's unbearable and i'm gonna go ahead and spoil the ending because i do not care about this movie (laughs) and also it's many years old so at the end they find out she she uncovers this video proving that this was all a social experiment and they're the like People who locked them up in this weird world and convinced them they're what's left of humanity are like, well, you've proven the experiment a success. We're going to open the fences and you can join the rest of humanity now. And everyone sees that video and just drops what they're doing and just starts walking (laughs) towards the gates. And it's like a really happy moment that they now get to go live amongst these weirdos who convinced them they live in an apocalyptic world. (laughs) No one is mad about being experimented on it's really <laughs> dumb and bad yeah uh lenny yeah thank you for your candor <laughs> thank you for your candor <laughs> next up is the drunk history episode spies drunk history is the thing where a person usually a comedian gets drunk and talks about one thing in history so this is an episode about various spies including harriet tubman And the woman who narrates the story is a comedian named Crystal West, who I think is like one of the best narrators they've had. And Octavia Spencer is playing Harriet Tubman. So it really comes together and is drunk history at its best, I think. And, you know, the drunk history gimmick is very simple and probably gets old after a while. But I think that this episode and especially the Harriet Tubman segment are definitely good and worth it. Yeah, I agree. It also gets bonus points for having Matt Gorley playing Sir Ian Katie's Fleming. boyfriend. No, we're just friends. Oh, next up is a film called Fathers and Daughters. Yet another movie I had straight up never heard of. This is about a father and a daughter. The father is Russell Crowe. It truly is only about one father and one daughter. Yeah. I don't know why the name is plural. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess it's about the father and the daughter and then their fictional counterparts in the novel that the father writes. Russell Crowe is... Is he schizophrenic? What's wrong? No. What's he, what's he have? I think... No, he has seizures. Oh, yeah, he has seizures. He's an alcoholic too, right? That sounds right. He's an alcoholic and he develops seizures. 
and he is raising his daughter alone and she grows up to be Amanda Seyfried and then it kind of cuts back and forth between the dad when her, during her childhood and then Amanda Seyfried as an adult and it's kind of about like how she's grown up to be troubled because of her childhood and it's not great it just kind of feels overwrought and like territory that has been covered before and I'm not sure why this movie needed to happen and there's also like Amanda Seyfried fucks a lot because she's because she's troubled and it just seems like the the movie ha- like I, I know that sometimes people have sex to try to escape their emotional problems but it really feels like the movie is like if you are sleeping with somebody who you're not in love with like there is something wrong there's no reason to do that other than because like you're trying to hide a deep hurt and it's like sometimes people are just promiscuous and it's fine and yeah this this movie was kind of so uh, over dramatic that it sort of made me feel sick and i truly hated it i say it's definitely not worth it even though russell crowe as the dad was wicked hot yeah uh you pretty much said everything i was gonna say i think uh the only things i would add are that i feel like a lot of the time when people write like dual narrative movies they like think that'll carry it and like actually neither of the stories is a complete story (laughs) and so like not a lot happens in this movie and also at the end uh when she gets back together with her main love interest Aaron Paul I felt deeply unhappy with that resolution and I felt like I was supposed to be on board with it definitely all right next up is the great Gilly Hopkins which must have a title similar to some other young adult book because I thought it was going to be a lot more whimsical and goofy than it was and it was actually like a pretty in parts sad movie about foster care it was it was still like a like a young adult aimed movie but it's uh, more sober than I expected and this was uh I I enjoyed this movie it was very sweet and it was touching and the the young actors were were good which is rare usually child actors are not that fun to watch but it was uh yeah i i was suitably moved by this film and i would not hesitate to watch it with a young person in my life if i had a young person to watch young adult movies with that's a weird thing to say. I'm losing my mind. Lenny, take it away. Yeah, this movie uh, definitely brought it in the second half more than I expected and kind of uh, turned me around on it more than I, yeah, more than I expected. But there was too much stuff that lost me early on. Primarily the fact that she writes a racist letter to her teacher, Octavia Spencer. Oh, God, I forgot. And yeah. like, they're really just like, you know, she's a troubled child, so she acts out. And it just felt like this needs to be a larger conversation <laughs> or else you need to just not put a racist letter in your movie. <laughs> um, and like early on, she keeps calling this kid she lives with the Arsler. And both of those things really weirded me out. And I just felt like they should have either not been in there or they should have really 
discussed them. So it's an okay movie, but it really, it really lost me early on. I gotta say with those choices. So I'm giving it a, a mild not worth it. That's fair. I really liked Octavia's character in this, though. She was just very charming, and I would uh, I would date her if she were a real person. Same. <laughs> uh, next up is a show called Mom. Octavia Spencer is in about nine episodes of it, and uh, it's a Chuck Lorre sitcom on CBS, and I think by far the best sitcom on CBS. It's about Allison Janney as a alcoholic who is a mess and her daughter Anna Ferris who is also an alcoholic and only slightly less of a mess and uh I really like the subject matter I feel like it's the only CBS sitcom where anyone has real problems and I think it's a lot more um true to life that like the way they deal with very serious problems is just being like well this happened (laughs) um I like that it's not like melodramatic like a lot of shows that deal with the same subject matter are and obviously Allison Janney is great and Octavia Spencer is great so there's a lot to love about this show it also has a lot of female friendships I do think overall it has like a stilted quality like most CBS sitcoms do that is frustrating because you're like you know this is Allison Janney and Octavia Spencer and they're talking about like pretty interesting stuff and it's weird that it's like all through that Chuck Lorre filter Uh, I'm pretty on the fence about it but I'm gonna give it a not worth it just because there's so many good sitcoms out there so it's like unless you're me and you watch 80 hours of television a week pick a better show than mom (laughs) Yeah, you've you've summed up this show nicely. I definitely like it a lot more than I ever thought I would like a Chuck Lorre show. And yet, if it were a lot of the same basic elements, but created by somebody else, it could, it could be so much greater than it is. It's, yeah, it's the, I think the friendships in it are like the strongest thing. I really like the characters and the way they relate to each other. And I think that's what, kept me interested in watching it um and so i'm gonna give it like a very mild worth it because it is uh it has something that is like very enjoyable and like sort of soothing to it uh like watching old cheers reruns or something uh even though the comedy is uh, at times a little cringy but yeah it, it mild worth it Also, like, the Octavia Spencer character, I thought, started off really interesting, and then she uh, becomes, like, born again and just talks about Christianity. And, um, you know, like, there's a phrase, flanderizing, for when sitcom characters become one-dimensional, and this was a very literal flanderizing (laughs) because she just becomes a religious nut, and that was sort of disappointing because I thought her and Allison Jenny's relationship previous to that story choice was, like, very playful and interesting, and then... Uh, at a certain point, she just makes jokes about Christianity. <laughs> oh, I also want to say that the mom from Dharma and Greg is in this, and she's really, really good. I really like her a lot. Next up is Hidden Figures, which is a recent movie that uh, is based on the real story of three black women who worked for NASA in the 1960s. And it stars Octavia Spencer and Taraji P. Henson. And uh, who's that beautiful one? Janelle Monae. I don't know which one you mean, (laughs) but since you said the other two's (laughs) names. 
<laughs> and this this is a ve- this is a I think the best possible version of the kinds of based on historical events movies you see and immediately think kids are going to have to watch this in their classes in high school. It's re- it's uh, even though it has that educational feel to it, it is it has great characters and it's genuinely moving and the man the the clothes are so attractive great costumes yeah i really liked this this movie a lot and uh it was very inspiring and i think that it is one of the best octavia spencer performances to date and i think that it's her overall strongest vehicle and for that reason i give it a gold star this is also the recipient of my gold star. Yeah, it sort of reminds me of what we talked about with Creed on the last podcast, where you're sort of like, how good could a movie in this genre be? And the answer is, this is exactly how good a movie in this genre could be. <laughs> yeah. um, it's so well done. The original music by A. Pharrell is excellent. The costuming is excellent. The performances are excellent. And the, the tone is like, really perfect like it's so fun and so watchable without undercutting how much these women went through and how much they had to fight for everything and I think that's uh really impressive and I love their friendship and yeah Hidden Figures is just a great time and a great movie yeah one funny thing about Hidden Figures is John Glenn is played by this really hot actor (laughs) from from Scream um, Queens Queens. yeah Yeah. and he was also from Everybody Wants Some right yeah uh, so I don't remember his name, but the blonde guy from Scream Queens. And he plays John Glenn. And John Glenn is like the kindest, sweetest man. And he's like, I see you other white people trying to perpetuate systematic racism, but I'm not having any part of it. And it's just like such, there's just such a like soft and loving gaze at John Glenn in this movie. And then in the credits, it's like special thanks to John Glenn. And it's like, oh, okay. I think he helped them out in their protection a lot. So in exchange, they like smeared a lot of Vaseline on the lens. Yeah, there's, (laughs) yeah, a bunch of it is just like, I can't believe Glenn, uh, what's his name? John Glenn Glenn. is also funny and nice. Yeah, Yeah. that's a little nutso. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Katie. Mm Mm-hmm. I regret to inform you that next up is a little film called The Shack. Oh, uh, no. We're going directly from Ooh. my gold star to my black ball. <laughs> I don't often call movies morally reprehensible, <laughs> but this movie is morally reprehensible. It's a movie about uh, Sam Huntington from Avatar gets into like a car crash and goes into a coma And he imagines, but the movie is like, oh, this really happened. (laughs) It firmly is like, oh, this was real. Uh, So he visits God, who is played by Octavia Spencer. And Jesus and the Holy Spirit are also there. And God spends her time teaching this man to forgive his abusive father and a man who murdered his daughter and many other children, and I think is still on the loose. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she 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 just teaches him to forgive those people, and that's like the whole movie. And it's like if this was a film about a guy who you know meets God and learns a lesson, and at the end he's like, "Now I'm gonna work in a soup kitchen." Like that would be dumb, and I wouldn't like it, but I'd be fine with it. But it's like. 
it never talks about the poor. It only talks about helping his wife once. And it's like a soft, hey, your your wife might want emotional support. <laughs> it's so just does not have any of the good lessons someone could possibly get out of religion and is just about forgiving abusers and literal child murderers. And you're like, why is this how God spends her time? It's really weird and really off-putting and bad. <laughs> yeah, so I also am giving this my black ball. You have covered all the ways, I think, in which it is morally awful so i'm gonna focus on uh how it's awful as a piece of entertainment it's an incredibly weird premise that is executed in an unbelievably boring way i can't think of another movie that is so bizarre and so bland at the same time and it feels it's you know it's very much trying to be a religious experience like it's it's trying to cater to you know, the people who want to see God's not dead and left behind. Heaven is for real. Yeah, heaven is for real. But it's so, okay, it's not for anybody who who is not a believer, really. And yet, were I a believer, were I a Christian watching this movie, I would feel like it was taking some obscene liberties with the character of God because God is intervening in one man's life to tell him hey chill out and forgive your father so we're creating a god who actively steps in in the world and yet is like yeah no just let that that serial child murderer is on the run Uh, just let it go don't worry about it so like why is this the way that god chooses to intervene and the answer seems to be that this guy loved god and then stopped loving god and god was like hey you used to love me, but now you don't. That can't stand. I need to get your love back, which creates a God character who seems like a full sociopath, which would be a pretty great premise if that was the intent, but it's just an accident of weird writing and weird ideology. So I feel I feel like any Christian watching this who has a lick of sense would be deeply deeply offended by it and so i feel like there is not a single person who this movie is actually for it truly truly needn't have bothered it's joining my list of the worst movies i've ever seen like i think it's it's in the bottom 10 of my life truly awful and all the performances are awful, except Octavia Spencer, who is fine, and Jesus, who is mostly coasting on being handsome. Mm. Oh, and also, okay, God is a black woman. That's awesome, right? Because God is usually depicted as a white guy. Except their version of God, they decide, like, oh, she's a black woman. So she is, like, this, like, comforting, like, dinner-cooking mother figure. Like, they... They only made God a black woman so that they could incorporate some stereotypes about black women that they felt served their narrative. And then the Holy Spirit is Asian and also is like very inscrutable. And it just seems like they're really like using race in a way that is disturbing. And all of the characters who are not white are like their only concern is like fixing a white guy. Yeah, they also have 
Native American preaching oh, that's, that's right. Christianity to him, which feels like a weird insult to injury of colonialism. Yeah, that no one needed. Yeah, and also the and that Native American character is also like a spirit guide, right? Like he takes the guy out into the woods to to see the like the souls coming down from heaven. There's just. It's just a truly terrible film. Oh, and one more thing is like God teaches this guy how to move on from the murder of his of his little daughter. But like he he's able to move on because he gets to peer directly into heaven and see that she's literally playing in a field with Jesus and a bunch of other children. So it's like, what kind of lesson is a real world person supposed to take from that? Like if I'm watching this and I'm grieving, I'm not going to be like, oh, okay, like this. This helps me work through my trauma because I'm able to work to look into heaven and see my daughter playing with children. Like it, he he must have believed that his daughter was in heaven before, but it, it's like he's oh, but he gets to move on because he gets to wave to her from beyond the grave, and that's just like it. It feels like it's trying to teach a lesson, and yet it's only using things that will never apply to anyone in the real world in any way. <sighs> we covered it. Have we? Do you think? Is there, there, look. <laughs> We'll never fully cover all of the things wrong with the shack. Mm -hmm. And knowing every single thing wrong with the shack is our unique burden <laughs> that we don't need to put on anyone else. Yeah. I do feel like if we wanted to, we could start a podcast called Talkin' Shack, where every week we talk about a different way in which it's terrible. Don't love shack. <laughs> but we will, we will not do this. <sighs> I, I, Lenny, until further notice, I'm not only giving this movie my black ball, I'm giving it my... Omega black ball, meaning it is the worst thing I have watched in the entirety of this podcast. I agree. All right. Okay. And next up, uh, this is the end of our movies that Octavia has a sizable role in segment. Uh, next up is Gifted, uh, which is the second out of two child custody drama movies. And it's considerably better than black and white. I'll tell you that. And yet, I still hated it. Black or white. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Gifted is about Chris Evans, who is a hunky single man raising his niece, who is an obnoxiously precocious little girl, and his cold bitch of a mother, played by Jane Asher, is trying to get the girl away from him so that she can force her to uh, focus on her studies and go to a fancy prep school and everything. I don't think I ever need to see another custody drama. I don't think it is a genre that uh, I need in my life. Maybe it could be well executed at some point, but it is not well executed here. I hated this movie. And while I was watching it, I thought, oh, this is probably going to be my black ball. But then the shack came and fucking crawled under that bar that was already so low yeah this just was was corny and it felt like a cliche and it felt like a waste of my time and so for those reasons i give give it a not worth it yeah i'm also giving it a mile not worth it i am shocked at how much you hate it this is pretty i guess this is pretty specific to me and not everyone has this experience but my family is very weird about intelligence and i actually thought that it was not cliche and that it hit a lot of really specific stuff that I've only really seen in that movie Smart People and um, the movie Proof. 
So it's actually, I thought, pretty interesting emotional territory. But uh, yet it was a little disappointing. Um, not as well done as it could have been. So yeah, I give it a not worth it. But I thought it was um, interesting and I liked what it was trying to do. All right. Uh, well, should we take a little break here before we go into our next half? Not only should we take a break, but I think everyone listening should enjoy an advertisement oh. from a sponsor that I'm sure we heartily endorse. <laughs> yeah. Hello, listener. Do you like a scare, a jump, a fright? How about Maine? How do you feel about Maine? If any of those words made your heart skip a beat, and I've got a podcast for you. King Me is a monthly Stephen King podcast where I, Tom Lockney, and a guest watch through a theatrical adaption of a work by everyone's favorite Northeastern author and talk about it with a little help from the source material. So, if you're feeling particularly brave, join me on my descent into terror on the Major Casts Network or wherever you find podcasts. All right, and we are back. Uh, now it is time for part two of our Octavia Fest. These are all of the movies that Octavia has a negligible amount of screen time in. So they are decidedly not worthwhile if you're looking for Octavia Spencer material. But we're going to judge them on their merits just as films. Uh, so the first one is A Time to Kill which is based on the John Grisham book, right? I always get John Grisham and Tom Clancy confused. I get him confused with Kevin Grisham. <laughs> is that a 30 Rock reference? Yes, <laughs> Did Kevin Grisham write the rule drawer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. Um, so A Time to Kill is a courtroom drama about a, a man kills two men who raped and killed a little black girl his daughter oh his daughter right and the the two men that he killed were white he and his daughter are black and so the, and it's in the south so there's a heavy racial component to the trial and it's like a good you know john grisham type thing the and the performances are good it sort of had a in parts it had a kind of exploitative quality to me that I found off-putting I, I just felt like like there was a lot of uh oh we, we got to make like this stuff as gratuitously horrible as possible to make the like moral gray area as limited as possible like to make sure that you are really really fully on board with uh Samuel Jackson who's the the man who's on trial for the murder it's like okay we got we we got to like really make it clear just how horrible these two men are and uh i felt like it was a little too much in some parts but overall like that's a pr a pretty minor complaint overall this is like a really good uh courtroom drama movie thing and i enjoyed it <laughs> i'm falling apart lenny that was very rambling Take us home. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought this was an incredibly well-done movie. It's just uh, a great drama. Um, it's really poignant. Um, there's some great stuff like uh, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, who is 
I think miscast as a deeply unlikable man. That might be my key for fever speaking. <laughs> but he has a great speech about how the KKK is always around, whether you feel their presence or not. Um, oh, yeah. And there's also a really good moment where Samuel L. Jackson talks about how Matthew McConaughey is, at the end of the day, not uh, as different from racists as he thinks and still clearly thinks of black people as different from him and you know he's not the good guy like he obsessively wants to think he is so i thought it was like significantly more hard-hitting than most dramas about similar material that said it did really bother me that for a movie that uses a violent rape as its inciting incident there are zero black women who are significant characters i think that's definitely egregious yeah in general that's my main complaint is how few black characters there are but uh it's definitely a very well done drama next up is being john malkovich and octavia spencer's filmography had a lot of movies i loved as a teen that did not hold up at all so i'm just very grateful that being don malkovich remained excellent on my rewatch i really love this movie i'm i'm not gonna give too much away about it because it's just like this special weird thing that is just completely unique and doesn't feel like it's being weird for the sake of being weird it's like so self-assured and coherent and just it's this just rare thing that is completely different from every other movie but totally works it's a charlie kaufman and spike jones collaboration they're both geniuses separately and together just unbelievable so yeah please please watch being john malkovich it definitely is the best thing in this episode uh movies that had a negligible amount of octavia spencer were ineligible for the gold star but it's an incredible movie and you should definitely see it. And also on rewatch, I realized how obvious it was that uh, the Cameron Diaz character, Lottie, is a trans man. He's like, I'm a man in a woman's body. And I was like, oh, holy shit. Like, I knew the character was queer. But then on rewatch, I was like, this is really unambiguous. And um, it's... Uh, hilarious that i spent so much time not knowing why i connected so deeply to this movie <laughs> so that was fun to remember it's great yeah uh i mean uh, you pretty much covered it this is an amazing movie it's one of the best movies uh, ever made i think and it's the first it's spike jones's first dr movie right and also charlie kaufman's first movie it's an amazingly strong debut uh, uh, these two men are so these two men are just so incredibly talented and i love them so much and everybody should watch this movie immediately it's profoundly disturbing that's fair, that's fair <laughs> i might find this movie more disturbing than you do because i have a puppet thing next up is spider-man the 2002 sam raimi one and maybe it's unfair to cast judgment on this movie now that we have two movies that have done the same thing better <laughs> but sorry it's <laughs> it's really egregious now that we've seen uh, so many better executed spider-man stories it's just oh my god it's so dumb like it opens on peter parker being like this is a story about a girl and you're like no the fuck it is not like why is this whole thing being told through the filter of your dumb obsession with mary jane and he just eventually wins mary jane over for no other reason than he's obsessed with her and nerdy so therefore he deserves her he, at one point he pushes a man off a building 
Peter Parker did that. That's not cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh, come on, Sam Raimi. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, not worth it. <laughs> I feel like this is just like an overwhelmingly mediocre movie. Like I truly have like no. No real complaints to articulate about it, and yet uh, no compliments for it either. I It's hard to think of many movies that inspire less feeling than me. So I guess just based on that alone, I'm going to give it a not worth it. I guess the only other thing I'll say about it is it's so weird just like how much there isn't a story. Like mm. uh, the Green Goblin exists and Spider-Man exists for like, 70 minutes and then they're like we're 70 minutes in they should fight <laughs> like, there's no slow build to that fair enough <sighs> oh boy but next up is settle down <laughs> bad santa a movie that i fucking loved and look i can imagine not everyone falling in love with this movie the way that i have but i really think it does an incredible job of being bad Santa. (laughs) Um, It really, I mean, like I said, it fulfills exactly what you expect, but it also was really refreshing to me in a lot of ways that I didn't expect. Like one of the things I like about it is they really don't try to make the main character cool in any way. There's like no sense of like, oh, I wish I could say whatever I wanted. It's like, he says whatever because he's a deeply damaged human being who has nothing to lose. He's so sad and pathetic. And I also really liked that, even though it's definitely like, fulfills the the mainstream qual- comedy stuff and is very funny. It's like really low energy. Um, it doesn't try to do like elaborate set pieces they're really they're super true to the character the writing and performance of him are like really low energy they don't do that thing of like where comedic leads will suddenly be like manic in ways that you're like the guy you set up would never do this you're like just doing this for a set piece um he's a really strong consistent character and i think this really it's a produced by the coen brothers and i did think it was like (laughs) yeah a really interesting like halfway point between a dark comedy and a mainstream comedy that I think worked very well and I love when a a curmudgeon and a weird kid learn how to feel because they come into each other's lives that's good stuff (laughs) I also think Willie Stokes is unbelievably hot yeah I know (laughs) <laughs> Katie's had to deal with a lot of bad Santa talk <laughs> since I watched this. It's been it's so hot. It's been like months. We've been putting off recording our Octavia Spencer episode for a while. I've been hearing about bad Santa for so long. <laughs> it's a fun movie, you guys. <laughs> it's really, like, I can honestly say, like, I know not everyone is going to be the bad Santa liker that I am. <laughs> But it truly is like a really solid movie that I know you will think is fun. Okay. So by the time I watched Bad Santa, I was out of town when Lenny watched it. Uh, we didn't watch it together. And I'd already been hearing quite a bit about it. And and I felt like I was not going to enjoy it. Partially just because it does not seem like the kind of movie I'd like. And then partially I felt like I was going to not enjoy it out of spite. Uh, that's a fucked up thing to say. <laughs> um 
but it was actually i actually did enjoy it it is like genuinely funny crazy old lenny (laughs) isn't always so crazy (laughs) yeah 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 I, i misjudged you i'm sorry uh it's actually a funny movie and it's it's filthy in a way that works for the character and for the situation and yeah it was like i don't i i don't think it's like the most amazing raunchy comedy i've ever seen but uh as far as raunchy comedies go it's actually uh up there yeah i i did enjoy it and i do think it's worth it even if like me you're a terrible prude and not particularly attracted to billy bob thornton in this role (laughs) lenny is shaking his head so sadly with just a a bit of condescension as well (laughs) no you're i don't think you should call me condescending you used the word actually like five times describing that bad santa is good i did think it was okay though that's what i'm saying now you're right i am being very condescending toward this movie and uh that's just something we all have to live with. <laughs> okay. Oh, Lenny. Yeah. Take us away. <laughs> Next up is a movie called Win a Date with Tad Hamilton that I loved as a teen and that did not hold up. <laughs> it's about a girl uh, played by, why am I suddenly forgetting her name? Oh, Kate Bosworth. She's this small town girl. And her best friend, Topher Grace, clearly has a crush on her. And as the title suggests, she wins a date with a man named Tad Hamilton, who is a famous actor played by Josh Dumal. And as soon as she goes out with Tad Hamilton, uh, he just immediately is like, like, he's just been surrounded by Hollywood phonies so long that she says like one honest thing. And he's like, oh, my God, and desperately clings to the feeling of emotional realness. And I think that the pl- the basic plot of this movie had a lot of potential because what happens is at first she's going to be with Tad Hamilton and then she has this moment where she realizes, oh, you only like the idea of me. And so she gets with Topher Grace. But here's the rub. I feel like it makes sense, like on paper, that this guy she just met only loves the idea of her. So of course, instead, she should be with her best friend who's actually spent a lot of time with her. Yes, on paper, sure. But the problem is, I think every woman has had a male best friend who technically knew them very well, (laughs) but who also clearly was only in love with the idea of them. (laughs) And that's so clearly what Topher Grace is that it really destroys everything this movie is trying to do. So it's... It's very cute, and I like that um, it portrays people who are in their 20s and working in a grocery store and doesn't, like, pass a judgment on that. I thought that was refreshing, but I gotta give it a not worth it for how flat the romance falls. Yeah, there was definitely a certain charm to this movie. The Tad Hamilton character is pretty fun, and his two... Are they agents or one is an agent, one's a manager manager. who are Nathan Lane and uh, Jack guy, John Hayes, Sean Sean Hayes. Hayes. Right. I knew that. I knew that. Um, They're funny. And Kate Bosworth, I have not seen in very many roles. I think I've only seen her in Superman Returns before this. Uh, She has a certain charm. She's very, she's very appealing, even though I don't necessarily think she's like an amazing actress. She's like very charismatic. And, you know, I love Topher Grace. 
<laughs> I always will. But there is just a lot of like, I fundamentally disagree with these characters in so many ways. And and I don't think that, that Kate Bosworth should have ended up with either of these guys. Yeah. So it is ultimately uh, not a very rewarding movie to watch because it just ends up in kind of a kind of a disappointing cliche so i give it that's just a very soft not worth it next up is beauty shop starring queen latifah uh which is a spin-off of the barbershop movies and it's just about queen latifah she's working in a hair salon for Kevin Bacon, who's a terrible boss, and then she is had it up to here, and she walks out the door, and she starts her own beauty shop, and then most of the movie is just about her trying to get her beauty shop going, and, you know, trying to make sure that she can pay for it. Uh, it's not, like, a... It's not that plot-heavy. It's mo- it's mostly just kind of the characters hanging out and uh, being mildly funny, and it, it's a pretty charming movie. It, uh, I gotta say, uh, pretty unobjectionable on the whole. I, I don't know. Like, what is there to say about it? It's beauty shop. I'm gonna give it a very, uh, a very mild worth it. Yeah, I'm also giving it a mild worth it. It like, it feels weird to recommend it because it's, it's genuinely not funny, and it, like, yeah, <laughs> it feels like it's not like trying to be that much like I didn't feel like there were jokes that fell flat it's just one of those comedies that's like more pleasant yeah yeah that's true but I did you know it's there's nice friendships in it and it's a good person working hard and being rewarded for it so it's just like a real pleasant watch for if you're ever you know home with the flu or something (laughs) it's that kind of movie uh, next up is a short film called The Spleenectomy. It stars Anna Ferris and Anna Ferris as her twin sister. And it's it's real short. It's just Anna Ferris auditions for like a community theater play. And the director, who is that bald guy who played the dad in 10 Things I Hate About You, is like, that wasn't believable. You do not get the role. And then Anna Ferris wanders into a hospital where her identical twin is a doctor. And through some kind of goofy misunderstanding, she ends up performing surgery on the very director who rejected her. And then she gets to be in the play. It's a weird little plot. It's goofy and pretty stupid. And um, there's nothing like so uh, objectionable about this. A short film and yet I hated it maybe part of it is that I just don't really enjoy Anna Faris as an actor and the majority of it is just watching Anna Faris but uh this was dumb and uh not worth it yeah isn't the whole thing an ad as well I feel like is it I feel like it's- oh it was like it was like Cosmopolitan Presents or something right I don't yeah. know if it was an ad but it was like oh, sponsored I thought, like at the end it's like be confident Dove Soap or something was like- it if it was I totally just like missed that little title card but anyway yeah i also hated it i feel like there's something really off-putting about the production values it was just like aesthetically unpleasant to watch yeah next up is an episode of our good friend csi called drops out regular listeners will know we've had to watch csi for just about every episode of this podcast (laughs) and i think 
This was the least boring episode we've seen. Um, it has rapper Method Man being very charismatic. That's true. Uh, so I definitely, I think this was the first CSI we watched where I like fully followed the plot enough to be fairly excited by the turn. <laughs> but CSI still sucks. Yeah. Uh, not worth it. <laughs> I'm not going to say I fully followed the plot enough to be excited, but I did like follow the plot more than I have in previous episodes. So yeah, it is good for CSI, but likewise, not worth it. Next up is an episode of the Big Bang Theory called the Euclid Alternative. I bet that is some sort of nerdy joke, but I do not know what that means. They give all the episodes titles like that. Oh, they do. This is the second episode I've ever watched. Happy to say. The show sucks. I hate all the characters. I hate the performances. I hate the way looking at it makes me feel. The hard pass. Definite not worth it. Yeah, the Big Bang Theory is like such a weirdly outdated thing. Like it doesn't even feel like a like 80s or 90s sitcom. It legit feels like I Love Lucy where they'll just be like, what should be a simple problem that just spirals out in insane ways each act and then eventually it's over when enough stuff that would never fucking happen has transpired. <laughs> uh, it's not funny. Yeah, I think uh, everyone knows all the reasons that the Big Bang Theory is bad. Fair enough. And it's uh, right for it to have such a terrible reputation. <laughs> oh, Number man. Number one comedy on television. <laughs> oh, Lenny. Next up is seven pounds. Seven pounds. Seven pounds. This movie is so boring for so long, but then it pay watching it pays off in a fucking bananas way. The fun, the f like final ten minutes are like the greatest insane movie I've ever seen in my life. This it's uh, this is a movie about Will Smith is the main character and. I don't remember what it was. Something happened. He's atoning for something, right? He, he didn't a, he crash he, into a bunch of people in a car? Oh, yeah. Okay. And he killed a bunch of people in a car wreck. And so he's like, just like wandering the world, trying to find ways to do good things to make up for it. But like being a total dick about it at the same time. He's a weird, it's a weird thing. He's like a very unpleasant person. But then he's he's always like, fine, I'm going to find a way to get all your tax debt erased. Grumble, grumble. And I don't know how much of the, I don't know how much to reveal. I don't know if we should say what happens or if people should get the experience of watching this movie themselves. Lenny, what do you think? I mean, first off, don't watch this movie. I want people to watch the last 10 minutes. Uh, yeah. Read the Wikipedia summary until the last paragraph <laughs> and then watch the last 10 minutes. Don't watch the whole movie. I'll, uh, I, all I'm going to say is it is unbelievably boring for like straight up two hours. It's like yeah. this is a guy who does audits and it's all the fun of a guy who does audits. <laughs> and then just out of nowhere, it's the dumbest, weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And then it's over. And uh, anyway, not worth it, but what an insane experience. Yeah, it is not worth it, but also please watch it. Not the whole thing, just the ending. 
Oh, I really want to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, go ahead. It's probably, I mean, I don't it, think the last 10 minutes are on YouTube or anything. Yeah, they're probably not. Well yeah. Uh, I feel like this should, this is so weird that it should have like become something that people talk about. I feel like it should be something weird that gets referenced all the time, but it's not. So Will Smith is living in a hotel because I think he like travels the country. So he's in a hotel and he, he, sets up this huge aquarium and fills it full of box jellies one of the deadliest animals on earth and he's just got this fucking huge tank of box jellyfish in his hotel room for the entire movie and then at the very end he decides that he's gonna kill himself well i don't think he decides at the very end i think you at that point realized the whole movie he'd been planning this oh yeah you're right so he's he has boned Rosario Dawson, who is uh, who has heart failure. And so he decides to or he decides that he's going to uh, give his heart to her when he kills himself. And he also earlier in the movie was talking to a blind Woody Harrelson. So he's going to give his eyes to Woody Harrelson. I don't think that in the real world you can commit suicide and leave a note that's like, give this person this organ and this person this organ. Like, I feel like there's just a waiting list, but he is somehow able to dictate who gets what pieces of him. And he commits suicide by climbing in a bathtub and dumping a box jelly in there and getting stung to death by a fucking box jelly in a hotel bathtub and it looks like it is very painful it was a mistake probably to kill himself that way it seems <laughs> like they should have picked the way he kills himself based on what would damage the least organs but i feel like getting stung to death by jellyfish would like at least damage like stuff that's like your eyes that's like right there yeah like, maybe not your heart yeah it seems like like it's poison right, right? yeah it's got to be like, I don't think it's electricity. I think it's poison. Either way. Yeah, it seems like it would have made a lot more sense and been a lot less detrimental to the pieces of himself he wanted to donate to like cut his wrists. Right. Like that yeah. would that would just result in him dying and would not like fray his nerves or anything. But the, I guess he just he loves those box jellies and he wanted to die as he lived admiring box jellies. <laughs> and so he's filled He's filled the bathtub full of ice. And after he gets stung to death, he leaves a note that's like, uh, uh, don't touch the jelly because it'll kill you. And then at the end of the movie, uh, Rosario Dawson tracks down Woody Harrelson, who can see now. Woody Harrelson is like a children's choir teacher. Um, and they they share a moment when they realize that they're the two recipients of these organs that really it feels for a second like they're they're going to bone just because they both have pieces of will smith in them but i don't think they do also if you're gonna kill yourself to donate your organs it's weird to just donate two organs right i couldn't donate his lungs or slide that he had several recipients in mind mm. and um they just didn't show us all of it but i feel like he had that audit thing going on so that he could find however many worthy people for mm. all of his various organs did he really work for the irs or was that no a it was totally fake <laughs> it's like a scene where his best friend is like dude you gotta stop doing this you're gonna get caught <laughs> who was his 
his best friend. I don't remember him uh, having a friend. I don't even remember. All but right. he has some friend who tells him not to do this insane plan, which I don't know how much of it he revealed to his friend. Yeah. Or maybe it's like his brother or something because mm. they didn't seem like. Oh, I think it was his brother. Yeah. yeah. It didn't seem like they talked that much, but enough for him to know that he's posing as a fucking IRS <laughs> auditor. Yeah. So it was fucking bananas. It was that ending was like a great treat for having sat through so much of boring movie, but yeah, it's not worth watching. Uh, what's next? Oh, next up is Drag Me to Hell, which is a horror movie about a girl who crosses a Romani woman and then is cursed, which is a slightly problematic premise. Um, and uh, the the woman's like house has been foreclosed on. And the main character, Christine Brown, has the ability to, like, give her another extension on her loan. But her boss sort of implies to her that if she does that, she's going to seem soft and she's not going to get a promotion. So she chooses to not help the woman out. So the woman gives her a curse where uh, a, a demon starts stalking her and then is eventually going to drag her soul to hell. And the movie is about her trying to figure out a way to stop the curse. And I watched this movie when it first came out. I want to say it was like 2008. And I really, really loved it at the time. It was one of my favorite horror movies. And I thought it was so terrifying. Uh, and then I didn't watch it for a really long time. And then I rewatched it again a couple months ago. And again for this. And it's not the movie that I remember at all. It's so much like goofier. It's Sam Raimi. And it's definitely got a little bit of that like army of darkness, uh, evil dead kind of like just weird goofy scariness to it that like I did not pick up on that tone at all when I watched it as a teenager um but it's still got some moments that are legitimately scary and some stuff that is like legitimately creepy and then the stuff that is just like goofy and weird I think works as like camp so I don't think that this is one of the greatest horror movies of all time as I as I did when I first saw it. But I still think that it's like a solidly enjoyable movie and I definitely give it a worth it. Yeah, I'm going to give it a not worth it. It is somewhat fun, uh, but I was kind of on the fence because it's pretty mediocre. And then the fact that it really hangs its hat on outdated Romani stereotypes <laughs> tipped me yeah. in the direction of being like, no one needs this pass. Sure. I also thought it was like the greatest horror movie of all time when we saw it in high school. And now I think I was just caught up in the excitement of uh, finally being represented as a person who is constantly imagining that I'm about to be dragged into hell. <laughs> uh, it is a very accurate portrayal of that. <laughs> Uh, but that's probably not going to carry a lot of weight for a lot of people. <laughs> I, I, you complained to me off podcast recently that it's like there, she takes all these different steps to try to end the curse and then none of them, none of them fail for a reason. They're all just like, eh, it didn't work. And that's unsatisfying. Yeah. The story is really lazy. There's like one, the, like the very, very end is legitimately a good piece of story and then yeah. everything before that is just like she does something and then it's like like they don't even try to be like oh at the last minute she slipped or whatever it's like literally just like oh it didn't work yeah. and i just think that's like so weird like to not even try <laughs> yeah like that. uh next up is an episode of dollhouse called echoes dollhouse is a Joss Whedon show that is famously considered to be the shittiest Joss Whedon show. As a result, I had never even bothered to watch it before this. Yeah, this 
episode had nothing to offer me. Even their their attempt at a sexy schoolgirl BDSM scenario was completely flat, in my opinion. And if I'm just going to watch Joss Whedon jerk-off material, I would at least like it to be good jerk-off material. <laughs> yeah, uh, we talked about this before, but like Eliza Dushku is the wrong person to cast in a show where like your main character needs to have incredible range and be like constantly changing like I don't hate Eliza Dushku but she's kind of she's kind of just Eliza Dushku she's not exactly a chameleon and yeah I uh, I never bothered to watch the show either and I realize now that that was the correct move but Fran Kranz, who is also in um, Cabin in the Woods, is in it. And he's like the he's the, the most dynamic and interesting part of the show. But uh, not enough to make it worth watching. Uh, next up is a little film called Dinner for Schmucks. This is a comedy starring Paul Rudd and uh, Steve Carell about a guy who in his the the company he works for they have this weird this weird sadistic tradition of having a competition where everybody is supposed to meet like what are they 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 keep saying idiot right yeah they every it's a competition to see who can bring the biggest idiot to dinner which is a weird it's a weird description like they consistently just say idiot which makes it sound like a very ableist competition but it's like all the, these people are weirdos like they're bizarre they're not like all stupid so that's weird schmuck is a better description and yet the word schmuck is never said in the entire movie uh, so i've just felt like this movie was not gonna be good and so i never watched it and actually having watched it it was better than i thought it would be and yet not nearly as good as it should have been for the cast it has it has uh, Jermaine Clement. It's got Kristen Schaal. It's got Larry Wilmore. Uh, it is uh, Zach Galifianakis. There's all kinds of comedic heavyweights in here. And it's just like an okay movie that in many ways is very strange and uh, sometimes is uh, nonsense. Uh, so like I'm going to give it a not worth it. But if you're like really into any of the actors in it, it, not Octavia Spencer, she's not in very much. But if you're into any, if you're like, I really love Steve Carell, like it's worth watching for Steve Carell, I guess, because he is very funny in it. But overall, uh, not worth it. Yeah, I feel like even what you're saying is generous. uh, (laughs) And yeah, I also had very low expectations and then actually laughed a few times. But it's such a shitty movie. The plot is so meandering and mm-hmm. it just like doesn't have to be. Like it has a really simple concept that could fill 90 minutes easily and they just it's just, they just go nuts with it. <laughs> and it just like is all about Paul Rudd trying to repair his relationship with his fiance or his girlfriend who like even for a romantic plot in this kind of movie it's really bad like usually my uh usually my problem with 
the romantic interest in a movie like this is like, oh, she's a blank slate and I don't know why she likes him. But in this one, I'm like fully like she doesn't like him. (laughs) She does not want to be with this man until she has to be just because the movie is over. It's bad and it's just remarkable that Steve Carell is so funny that he still gets a couple of laughs in there because this material is straight up terrible. Okay, so we're coming up on the two-hour mark, and we've got five Octavia Spencer vehicles left to go, so we're going to do a quick lightning round. Peep World is about a guy who writes a book that is about a thinly-veiled version of his family. It is not very interesting, and I feel like it thinks it's clever, but it isn't, and I give it a not worth it. Yeah, the dialogue is absurdly on the nose, and none of this family drama is at all interesting. Definitely not worth it. Next up is an American Dad episode called For Black Eyes Only that is a James Bond parody. I feel like everyone knows how much they want to watch an American Dad episode. I laughed a few times watching this, so I'm giving it a worth it. I don't like American Dad, and I felt like this was an exceptionally weak American Dad. I felt like it was doing a genre parody in lieu of doing jokes, so I give it a not worth it. Next up is Zootopia, a beloved film that I truly hated. I thought it was incredibly thin. All it had going on was this weird racism metaphor that doesn't track at all. I thought it was basically Crash for Children. (laughs) Not worth it. Uh, I mildly enjoyed this when I saw it, but the racism metaphor is an absolute mess. And Crash for Children is an incredibly apt description. I'll give it a soft worth it, but, uh, but just, oh, so very soft. Uh, next up is Car Dogs, which iTunes has her credit as Octavia Spencer credited as the star, and she is in literally one scene. The real star is Patrick J. Adams from Suits, Woo! and I loved watching him star in a movie like a person would, <laughs> but this movie really fucking sucks. It's about people who have to sell 300 cars, and oh boy, is it just people selling cars, and they really don't try to make it dramatic? They're just like, oh, I could give you a... It's gas for a year for an extra 5000 And it's just like, oh my God, I do not care. <laughs> not worth it. At the very beginning of this movie, you're like, oh man, this feels like uh, somebody's trying to recreate Glengarry Glen Ross. It's a really clear Glengarry Glen Ross knockoff. And then at a certain point, they actually say coffee's for closers. Yeah, they're really trying to have plausible deniability about it being an homage, but it's like <laughs> just a pale imitation. Yeah, aggressively not worth it. Uh, Finally, Bad Santa 2, uh, which I think definitely had that sequel thing of like straining a little too hard to capture, recapture the magic of the original. Uh, It was a lot less organic, but they introduced Kathy Bates as Willie's mom. And I thought that dynamic was really interesting and kind of carried the movie for me. And so I'm going to give it a worth it, even though it is definitely a step down from the first Bad Santa. Bad Santa 2 definitely had a a certain charm like the first Bad Santa, but it was so much grosser. It really disgusted me. And for that reason, I must give it a not worth it. Although I do appreciate just how many fat actresses were in this movie because there were a ton of them. All right. And that's it. Thank you for joining us. Next time we'll have Paul Newman and I will murder Katie (laughs) on record. (laughs) So tune in. You don't want to miss it. (laughs) Oh, and check out our Twitters at KDL Wright and at Lenny Burnham so that you can uh, keep an eye out for our polls. And also check out some of the other quality programming on Major Cast Network, our network. Uh, all right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Major Cast Network. <laughs> <laughs>
stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.